Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're going to be going over chapter 6 of Reincarnation, starting on page 55 and going to page 61. We'll also be reading the next chapter in the teachings of the Doctrine of Eternal Lives. Chapter 6 is entitled, Learning by Experience. And we'll get into that right now. Chapter 6, Learning by Experience. It was called their first estate. They were agents. There were agents there just as much as you and I are here. They could obey the law that was given to them, or they could disobey the law. Orson Pratt, Journal of Discourses, Volume 19, page 316. Experience is the ability to participate, to perceive, to understand, and to gain knowledge by living through certain events. Merely believing, I'm sorry, merely being alive or conscious is the basis of gaining experience because a person can learn from these experiences. He is better qualified to make choices, simply being conscious and aware of events happening around them or to to them. Will give an individual positive or negative experiences. Likewise, spirits in the spirit world go through a series of events giving them experience. Some choose to do good while others choose or select evil. Quote, and this is from Joseph Fielding Smith, God gave his children their free agency even in the spirit world by which the individual spirits had the privilege, just as men have here, of choosing the good and rejecting the evil or partaking of the evil to suffer the consequences of their sins. Because of this, some were Some even there were more faithful than others in keeping the commandments of the Lord. Doctrine of Salvation by Joseph Fielding Smith, Volume 1, page 58, or on page 56. Thus the spirits in the pre-existence had experience and made major decisions, just as people do in mortality. But reincarnationalists say we must be mortals in order to have experience. Personal traits and intelligence develop our character in that pre-mortal world just as much as they do in this world. There are two basic kinds of education. One is knowledge, which fills the mind with facts and figures in math, science, business, etc., The other is an understanding learned by daily experience which also develops our character, morality, and our will. But man usually overrides the second to achieve the first. No university can provide the understanding that we gain from our experience, experiences which contribute to building our character, feelings, and faith. This is genuine education as we 
and we as spirits had such experiences in the pre-existent world. When a person dies and goes to the spirit world, again he is in a condition where he can have experiences, make decisions and act upon them. It is the spirit that is alive and does the thinking and understanding. The physical body is merely a temporal covering for this spirit. It does not think, learn, decide, or have experiences. In short, then, experiences begin in the pre-mortal life, continue through mortality, and once again in the spirit world after death. Experience is not limited to mortality alone. We gain most of our valuable learning experiences through difficulties in both pre-mortal and mortal life. Irving Cooper wrote, and this is a quote from Reincarnation, A Hope of the World by Cooper, page 19. And by the way, we're on page 57 for those of you who are reading along. Notice how often in a tropical climate where everything is supplied by nature to meet the wants of man, The people are backwards, lazy, and relatively uncivilized. When outer circumstances are such that we are such that we are forced to think and forced to work in order to live and and succeed, our growth is the most rapid. We are most favored when life is most difficult. Reincarnation, a hope of the world. By Cooper, page 19. Brigham Young expressed the value of severe difficulties when he explained why they happened to the Prophet Joseph Smith. And I really love this quote. This is from Journal of Discourses, volume 2, page 7. Joseph could not have been perfected, though he had lived a thousand years, if he had received no persecution. If he had lived a thousand years and led this people and preached the gospel without persecution, he would not have been perfected as well as he was at the age of 39 years. End quote. That's Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, Volume 2, page 7. Brigham Young later expounded on the value of every experience in life. Quote, There is not a single condition in life that is entirely unnecessary. There is not one hour's experience, but that it is beneficial to all those who make it, their study and aim to improve upon the experience they gain. Journal of Discourses, Volume 9, page 292. The Apostle Orson Pratt reiterates the fact that it is not the mortal body that gains the experience. It is the spirit. Quote, It is the spirit of man and not the mortal tabernacle that enjoys, that, that enjoys, that suffers, that has pleasure and pain. The body, so far as we know, is incapable of feeling. It is naturally capable of it. It is only the spirit that dwells within the body that feels. However, severely the body may be injured. It is not the body that discerns the injury, but the spirit within the body that discerns it. 
The body of flesh and bones, when the spirit has left it, is incapable of any, any sensation whatever. Journal of Discourses, Volume 2, page 237, and we're on page 58 now. Both believers and non-believers in reincarnation agree on the importance of experience. However, there is one main difference. The reincarnationalist says you must keep coming back into mortality with a body in order to gain experience. The other view is that mortality is not the only place to gain experience. Below are 10 major reasons for believing that experience can be gained elsewhere. Number one, in our pre-mortal life, there were some spirits that took an active, open, and rebellious position against, against Christ. They could think, make decisions, and even engage in warfare, and that, and they were actually thrown out because of their rebellious stand. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. Revelations chapter 12, verses 7 and 8. Thus they acquired a great experience. So I'm going to make a part two for this. The podcast will still go, so hold on, let me see this here. So point two, it says, In the pre-mortal war, there were many righteous spirits also who took an active stand for the truth and for Christ. Because of their active role in defense of righteousness, they were great and noble. And God saw these souls that they were good, and he stood in the midst of them, and he said, These I will make my rulers. For he stood amongst those that were spirits, and he saw that they were good. And he said unto, and he said unto me, Abraham, thou art one of them. And you can find that in Abraham chapter 3, verses, uh, verse 23. These spirits had made the right decisions and acted upon them, becoming more valiant through their experience in that warfare. So we're on page 59 now. Point three. One of the reasons for coming into mortality is to allow each spirit to take up a body, learn to purify it, care for it, and allow it to gain its physical maturity. We came to this earth that we might have a body and present it pure before God in the celestial kingdom. And that was Joseph Smith and teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith page 181.4. The body can reach its maximum capacity in only a few years on this earth. The spirit within it will always continue to advance in learning and power. Quote, and this is from Brigham Young, we might ask, when shall we cease to learn? I will give you my opinion about it. Never, never. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, Volume 3, page 202. Point 5. 
Mortality is but a short time, less than the blink of an eye in all eternity. So like I was saying on my last program, like we might live a hundred years, but in the midst of eternity, it is nothing. It's like comparing the earth to the largest star in the gal or in the universe. It's a grain of sand. It's a grain of sand. And it, it seems like we go through all these experiences and it, it, it's forever. But when we have the view of eternity and we remember who we were before we came to this earth and the experiences that we've had, it's nothing. And it may be hard to go through some of the experiences that we go through. I know it has been for me. But in going through some of the experiences that I have gone through, I've learned so much from it. And I will say that I don't ever want to go through them again. But when I look at the pers- with a perspective of eternal lives about the things that I've been through, I know that I've been through worse in previous mortal mortalities and that I have been placed in the situations that I've been placed in for God's wise purpose. That includes all of the abuse, all of the hardships, all of the, all the stuff that I've been through personally in my life, homelessness, um, all of it. Like when I spoke to Jesus face to face in 2003 and I embraced him, afterwards we went and sat down and I spoke to him for quite a while. And I remember one of the biggest things that he had to tell me was that all the things that are hard for me to accept in my life, the, the experiences that I've been through, he allowed me to go through them for his wise purpose, that I might learn and grow and become the servant of God that he needs me to be. Now, at the time, he didn't tell me what my role was, what I was foreordained to be, but he did tell me that he allowed me to go through those things so that I would become a humble servant. And he was basically using those experiences to mold me to prepare me for what I will be doing in the future and what I'm doing now. Anyway, continuing. Let's see here. If if just mortality was for gaining experience, it would be stretched out for hundreds, thousands, or millions of years. The only difference between the old and the young is dying. One lives longer in heaven and eternal light and the glory than the other, and is freed a little sooner from this miserable, wicked world. And that is Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 97. Little children who die do not have to come back into mortality again to have mortal experiences to inherit the celestial kingdom. And I also beheld that all children who die before they arrive at the years of accountability are saved in the celestial kingdom of heaven. 
Joseph Smith, Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 2, page 381. I actually wanted to talk about this for a minute. He wasn't talking about just white children. He was talking about all children who died before the age of accountability go into the celestial world. But with the doctrine that Brigham Young brought up about blacks and the priesthood and the temples with black people and how they were cursed and everything and they had to suffer because... Like, okay, but those little black children, those little African descendant children, like, according to Joseph Smith, they would be in the celestial world. It doesn't make sense. It con- One thing contradicts another. And, like, I know a lot of people accept Brigham Young as being a prophet. I don't. I think that I used to judge him harshly. Um, God told me to hold my peace with him, that he would be the judge of Brigham Young. And I'm going to do that. There's a lot of things that Brigham Young taught that I believe he learned from Joseph Smith that were true principles, but there's things that he didn't get right in his mind, and there's things that were his opinions, but I don't accept him as a prophet, seer, and revelator. I might accept him as president of the church because he did a work in leading the people into the wilderness because they were cursed and rejected. As I've talked about many times in DNC section 124, Jesus said, if they were disobedient, they would be cursed and rejected as a church with their dead. That's Jesus speaking. That's not me. If we look at the evidence for the things that Jesus said would happen if they were obedient, none of that happened. But if we look at what happened and then go and look at the curses that Jesus said would happen if they were cursed and rejected and disobedient and slothful, that's what, that's what happened. And Jesus said, All they who hinder this work, speaking of building the temple whereby the Father can come dwell therein, that he might restore that which was lost unto you or that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood, they dragged their feet. They hindered the work, and everything was put on hold as the church was cursed and rejected for up to four generations or 160 years. So basically, 1843 is when the church was cursed and rejected, according to Lyman White, quoting Joseph Smith in Nauvoo, from 1843 until 2003, when things began to roll forth again, and that's when I saw the Father and the Son face to face and received the fullness of the priesthood under the hand of the Father upon Mount Vashel in the temple of the Father. So things began to roll forth again at that point. And there is a role for the church, or there has been a role for the church, but they were cursed and rejected. So anyway... So we're on topic seven now. All persons who have not had a chance in mortality to hear the gospel or experience enough for salvation do not have to be born again. 
there is a salvation for all men, either in this world or in the world, not the worlds, to come. There being a provision either in this world or the world of spirits. And that's Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 356. And he said that that's not in another another mortal world. Uh, but the last sermon, that, the last two sermons he gave, I think he was given more information that he probably didn't have before this. Um, I also wanted to say one thing. Okay, so I have lost two children. Ezekiel would have been five years old and Emma would have been just turned two a couple of weeks ago but they passed away In my anguish over my son, I remember I was crying in the shower and I was, I was asking Heavenly Father why, like all of the power that God has given me. I have healed people who are on the brink of death. I uh, I had a friend who lived in Puerto Rico, and uh, <laughs> she was a friend of mine for a long time, and she had uh, two daughters, and she really wanted me to marry one of them. <laughs> And one of them had a, a disease of the lungs that was was really bad. And one day she contacted me and she said, my daughter stopped breathing and we're waiting for the ambulance. And she's dying. And it's going to take a while for the ambulance to get here. Would you please pray for my daughter? And I said, okay, what's her full name? And, and I stood up with my arms in the yod position. And I asked God to hear the words of my mouth and all of, the, all of that. And then I raised my hands to the square after the manner of the Melchizedek priesthood. And I commanded the angels, the servants of God, beyond the veil, that I have charge over because of my position of authority to go and to heal her. And when I said amen, she 
She started breathing again, and she started coughing up all of the, the stuff that was filling up her lungs. The ambulance got there, and they got her to the hospital. And the disease that she had was was completely gone. So taking that into account, understanding that I have been given certain authority over the angels because of my position as the witness, I wanted to heal my son and my daughter. But I couldn't do it. My son died in utero. In fact, that was... We we were going to as a family to go see Ezekiel in the ultrasound and we didn't know that he had passed away and my whole family my wife, myself and my kids, we were all sitting there when we found out that Ezekiel was dead so there was nothing at all that I could do about him because it was already done. But with Emma, she was born alive. And I was giving my wife a blessing right before she was born. And I gave my wife a blessing and I gave Emma a blessing. And God told me that she would not make it that she was going to die and there was nothing I could do about it with all the authority and all the power that God has given me I couldn't save my own child I had to accept God's will in the matter But before that happened, when Ezekiel died, I was asking God. Actually, it was after. Well, let me think. It was after that. I, uh, I was asking God why I couldn't do anything about my children when I could heal other people. And understanding multiple mortal probations many, many years before that, God revealed certain things to me that, like, it's kind of funny. He has revealed things to, he usually reveals things to me before I find it in written down anywhere. And I'll be like, oh, well, that's interesting. And then I'll, then he'll lead me, he will lead me to the, the doctrine and he'll, he'll show me where other people have talked about certain things. And I'll be like, wow. And, and I asked him why he did this. He says, because I want you to know that others have, uh, have 
taught or had a, a glimpse of these type of things, and I can't remember exactly how he put it, but um, but he he let me know about multiple mortal probations and the true doctrine of, of eternal lives back in like 2010. It was 2010. And so I understood those things. And so when he told me that Ezekiel wanted to be part of our family group, but he wanted a break or he wanted rest from a mortal world, that he chose to to take a body as my son and the son of my wife. But that he was not ready to come back into a mortal probation then I understood and I understood because Heavenly Father revealed things to me before that that prepared me for the death of my son and for my the death of my daughter it's really interesting um, my son Arius is three now and like I'm not recording this on the video part because my wife called and I've got to try to figure it out but so you're getting more on the podcast than on the videos but um, we have a babysitter that we trust with with Arius because my wife works as a kindergarten in elementary school or like she's done first grade in kindergarten and one of the children who I think he's in fourth grade now was her kindergarten. She was his kindergarten teacher and she became friends with this woman and you know, the, the son and the dad and everybody. And we were really good friends with them now, but my wife will drive, um, 15 miles out of the way every day just to go drop him off when I'm not working. I can watch my son when I'm not, or when I'm not working. But anyway, um, but so when her son is at school, my son Arius will play with his toys and he is, you know, having a great time and whatever. And she'll hear him talking to somebody else. And one time, her son, who I think is in fourth grade now, I think he's nine years old, she heard him, he heard my son talking to Ezekiel. And he walked over and looked in the bedroom and he saw two little boys playing with each other, Arius and some other boy that he did not know. And... He went to his mom and he says, who's the boy playing with Arius? And she was like, there's nobody in there, just Arius. And her son said, no, I just walked in there. There's a little boy playing with Arius. And um, he described him. And she went over to the room with, with her son and she looked in there and there was nobody in there. And they said, Arius. Who was that little boy that was playing with you? 
And he said, that's my brother Ezekiel. So and my daughters, my young daughters have seen Ezekiel and Emma in our house play with their little brother, who's only three years old. He was two at the time. So they're there. But God told me that he wasn't ready to remain in a mortal probation, that that there was something to the effect of, in order to stay with our family group, he would have to be born into our family, and he would enjoy the blessings of being born in the covenant because my wife and I have been sealed. So, I don't know why I felt like I needed to tell you guys that. I think there's probably somebody out there that needs to hear it. It's hard for me to talk about... um, Because even though I accept God's will and I understand things from a perspective that was taught to me by the Father, it doesn't make it easy to have. To have lost my kids, two of my kids. Okay, so we're on page 60, topic 8. Satan and one-third of the host of heaven were able to gain enough knowledge and experience in the pre-existence to prove worthy of being born into mortality. Their judgment would have been based on experience. They could... Why could they not have come to earth and kept on being reincarnated until they became more righteous. According to Brigham Young, those evil spirits are not permitted to receive tabernacles of their own, and that is their condemnation and punishment. They have been known to take possession of the bodies of men and women, and rather than be without a body, they have entered the bodies of brutes. Journal of Discourses, Volume 9, page 332, Topic 9. The devil said he would save all men. Jesus said there would be a certain there would be certain souls that would not be saved, and the devil said he could save them all. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 357. Reincarnationalists say that all men will go through mortality until they are saved or exalted. Whose plan does that resemble? Brigham Young explained, Jesus says, I will destroy death and him that hath the power over over it, which is the devil. And if he ever makes a full end of wicked of the wicked, what else can he do than entirely disorganize them and reduce them to their native element? Journal of Discourses, Volume 1 page 297 or 275 topic 10 reincarnationalists say we must continue to have many 
many mortal bodies until we have gained enough experience. However, Brigham Young said these bodies will return to dust, that our hope and our faith are that we will receive these bodies again from the elements that will receive the very organization that we have that we have here, Journal of Discourses, Volume 5, page 53. So with our resurrected bodies experience continues. And see, I don't believe necessarily, like I think there could be a provision for it for special circumstances, but for the most part, what I was shown is that after we are resurrected, and there becomes this new earth that is talked about in John, that we will have the opportunity to put off our resurrected bodies in that world and go on a new earth and gain a new mortal probation so that we can gain more experience on that world. Where the reincarnationalist... um, may have taken a true doctrine and perverted it over time and because reincarnation is like one of the oldest belief systems in the world it comes from hinduism and hinduism is one of the oldest belief systems in the world and it's a perversion of of the truth so many 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 years ago in ancient times it, it all the way back to antediluvian times which means pre-flood times there were truths that were taught and then there were these breakoffs and they would take the truth and then they would apply the doctrines and thoughts of man and mingle it with scripture and then over time you get these way perverted um, things that have a root of truth in it but it's so perverted that that for the most part it's a lie and reincarnation i believe is a lie when it comes to coming back many times into one probation now i don't know i know there's people out there that believe that that we come back many times and i know what god showed me about that kid um who believed that he was the the fighter bomber pilot on that world war ii aircraft carrier and how god told me that he was a ministering spirit that was assigned to that particular person in mortality and that's why he remembers these past lives but they're not really his past lives so you know i i don't think Brigham young or joseph smith completely understood these things um i think that joseph smith actually began to understand these things at the very end of his lives and that life and that's why he talked about it. But there's a lot of people that believe that Joseph Smith is coming back to finish his ministry. And you know what? They make a really good case for it. I'm not 100% convinced that it's right. I think that Joseph Smith had the opportunity as a servant of God to do certain things. And that, um, and he did as much as he could. When Jesus said, you know, if if you guys don't do this temple building thing where the Father can come and dwell there and then restore the fullness of the priesthood, like Jesus said he would reject the church with their dead. 
Now, they could have done everything that was required, and I believe that if they would have, Zion would have been redeemed in Nauvoo in the 1840s. But instead, they dragged their feet, they stole the supplies and the lumber that was meant and consecrated for the building of the temple. Um, the temple was never finished. The father never came therein to restore the fullness of the priesthood, personally himself, as Jesus said that he had to. And, and things were put to a stop. And Jesus said, all they who hindered this work will be cursed to the third and fourth generation, which, like I've said, is up to 160 years. So part of me... And part of me, and I haven't received any strong witness one way or the other about this. I've asked, I've studied it out. It's a mystery to me still. But, um, but part of me wonders if he was given these things that he was supposed to do, and it wasn't his fault that they weren't done, but. They weren't done. And so basically what Joseph Smith did was lay the foundation for this other servant that he said would come to finish the work. And what I'm talking about is Joseph Smith said that, or stated that the Holy Ghost is in a state of probation, which I believe was the spiritual probation. And if he should perform in righteousness, he should do the same or similar things as Jesus did. You know, and then there's other quotes about uh, about God, or well, the, the Holy Ghost, or God the Witness, um, coming into mortality. So um, that and Joseph Smith uh, received that revelation in DNC section 85, where Jesus said uh, he would send one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order, which implied it would become out of order, which it did after Joseph Smith's death. So, I know that Joseph Smith was one of the mighty and strong ones because of what God showed me about who I am um, in 2013, but I don't know the full details of what's going to happen or if he's coming back. I want him to come back. I would love it if he came back to assist in the work, but I don't know if he'll come back as a resurrected being to assist in the work or if he will come back into a mortal probation as some believe that he will I don't know it's not clear uh, some people have suggested that I am the the reincarnation of Joseph Smith I don't necessarily believe that either I don't really believe that at all uh, other people have told me that I am the reincarnation of Enoch and that I was Elijah and then I was John the Baptist, and now I'm back, and I'm like, well, I don't know anything about that either, because God hasn't revealed that to me. If he's revealed this to other people, maybe, but sometimes I think that, well, I know that Satan reveals things to people, and if they don't check it correctly with the Spirit and test the spirits, as it says, I think it's in First Timothy, it talks about testing the spirits for their by many false spirits have gone out into the world many false teachers many false prophets these prophets receive revelation from a bad source or they can be a fallen prophet who started off with God 
and then were perverted and confused by by a false source because they don't get the confirmation of the spirit so they'll receive the revelations but they never check it to test the spirits to get revelation to make sure that that this thing that they're believing is from god and it comes from a false source so i don't know all i'm concerned about is what is going on in my mortal probation now and what god has told me to do now not what he's told me to do in the past or asked me to do in the past not any uh, eternal lives that I may have lived before this and I say there may be a provision for coming back I don't know and we're going to get more into that in this reading of this book but even though Ogden compiled this book we still have to study it out to the best of our ability which Ogden is helping us to do to sift through things and to try to understand things better and I'm going to try to help people understand things better myself just through my own experiences and what God has taught me but ultimately it's up to each and every one of us to go to God and get confirmation of the spirit after we have studied it out to the best of our ability and this program that I'm doing right now in this series of programs may give you a taste to open your eyes to see that there is more but looking for it and searching it out is something that you will have to do and praying and asking God to to lead you to the information so that you can study it out or to reveal to you whether or not these things are true or whether or not partly they're true and whether there's gems or sapphires in the mud like i talked about um you know how like when we used to go uh sifting for sapphires like we used to stand in these ponds with these muck boots on they they weren't that deep it was like a foot or two deep and we'd stand in these ponds and we would like sift through all of this mud and these this gravel that was in the the water and we would sift through it and clean it out and then we would do a whole process of stuff to try to find these little sapphires that were very valuable and you know what sapphires they don't come cut you have to know what to look for but when you find the gem and you cut it it's worth something you know it's worth a lot and you can make a beautiful uh, set of earrings or jewelry with sapphires but it there's a process of sifting and searching and it's the same with the scriptures these gems are not for everyone they're for those who will go into the mud into the muck into the water the cold water might i add um, we used to sift sapphires in in montana <laughs> it never gets warm in I guess it kind of does, but not really, you know. But we went through the work to actually go through and find the gems. And that's what we do with the scriptures. We look for the gems. And I'm suggesting that the doctrine of eternal lives and multiple mortal probations is a gem that is mixed up in the mud and mire in order to find it. We have to go through the work of searching. But also, 
getting confirmation of the spirit as to what the truth is. So anyway, let's see here. We're on page 61, and this is the last paragraph for this chapter. And, you know, I've been working on this actual um, chapter for probably a week. I since I, I believe the last time I dropped a, a podcast was last week uh, because I've been very busy. <laughs> Thanksgiving happened, and uh, I've been training at my new job. Uh, hauling crude oil which is pretty cool like I'm pretty happy that I'm able to do this anyway let's read this last paragraph and then I'll talk about the the rest so you don't have to listen to me babble on about stuff that doesn't pertain to what we're studying today anyway this is the last paragraph it's on page 61 according to the reincarnationalist experience can be attained only with a mortal body on the other hand the gospel plan clearly indicates that we have experiences in the pre-existence and spirit world after we die, as well as in mortality. The argument is presented that we must be born many times with a body in order to gain experience, but it should be remembered that it is the spirit, not the body, that gains experience. And I agree with that to a point, but there's more that we can learn in mortality than we can learn in the spirit. However, like this isn't our first estate. The the scriptures talk about a first estate. That's the first probation. When we were given a choice between good and evil, well, between the plan of salvation and the plan of damnation, we had the agency and we were in a probation to make a right choice. And those of us who came to this world with bodies, we made the right choice and entered into our second estate or the mortal probation. So, yeah, we do gain experience in the in the spirit world before we come here. But um, according to this doctrine of eternal lives and multiple mortal probations, the pre-existence to this earth was a world that we used to live on. And... I think Satan kind of talks about that in the temple endowment where he says, he talks about the other worlds that we used to live on. We lived on other worlds. When John sees the the new Shamaim, which is plural for the heavens, and he sees a new earth, not plural, and new earth created why do you think there's a new earth created? When this world becomes a fire of seeing glass and it goes through all of the phases that it goes through until it is exalted and celestialized, we're not staying here unless unless we can, you know, but we're not, this isn't going to be our permanent home. When God creates that new earth, we will have the opportunity to put off our resurrections and go into a new world. And now I'm not sure. I, I believe it's a free agency thing as to whether we put off the resurrection. Um, but according to what God has taught me about my own children, that they wanted to remain with us as a family group. 
but they were not ready to come back into another mortal probation. So they chose to come and they died before the age of accountability. Because they wanted to remain with our family group and I'm not exactly sure how all those things are tied together or the details of them. But that's what I was taught. So my my children that have passed beyond the veil, they don't have bodies. They're in the spirit form right now. But they will be resurrected. And in the future, when that new earth is is um, brought forth, as John saw in the book of Revelations, in the book of the Revelation, <laughs> they will be able to choose at that time whether they want to go through more mortal probations, more experiences to gain more experiences and more understanding to gain a higher resurrection. This is about eternal growth, eternal lives. We might be damned in a state of resurrection unless we're exalted. And we'll be damned in that forever, but there's the opportunity to put off that resurrection and go into a, in, back into the spirit and go back on more worlds. And like, we look at things from an, a perspective of mortality where like a hundred years seems like forever, but when we have the veil removed from us, and we can think and, and look back on our memories and our thoughts over the eons of time, over the existence since we had, uh, since we became self-aware from the state of intelligence that we first were, which is eternal, we will look back and it's kind of like when I was a kid. That last 30 minutes of school, I'd watch the clock. I think, you know, we'd get out at like 3.30 or whatever and it seemed like eternity and and months seemed like an eternity days seemed like forever years were like just ridiculous and now that I'm older and I have the experience to look back and, and all the experience of the years months fly by like nothing like it was just summertime and now it's, it's almost December you know, I like my baby was just turned three. That was six months ago. You know, and when when we have the perspective when the veil is removed and we look back and we can remember our existence, which didn't just happen six thousand years ago. Many of us have been, uh, we were, we became self-aware tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years ago. This is a process. It takes time. But in eternity, we have time to progress and learn and grow and to choose the experiences that we're going to go through in mortality to help us go through certain things that we might experience all. When Jesus paid for our sins, 
he experienced all. But he also experienced all because he had gone through all of these probations. Jesus knows what it's like to be a father who's lost a child. And not because he was a father in this more probation that lost a child. He may have been. The record isn't clear. But he knows what it's like to live in ancient times. He knows what it's like to be poor. He knows what it's like to be rich. He knows what it's like to be a truck driver. He knows what it's like to be a a tribalist. Shooting animals with a bow and arrow and living in a tribe on the plains or in Africa or whatever. He knows what those things are like because he's gone through many experiences and he ascended to the level that he is at. It's called the progression of the gods. He ascended to that level through experience that he did not gain while he was a spirit. He gained it in previous worlds where he lived other mortal probations. So I think I'm going to drop this podcast and uh, I'm not going to do the Eternal Lives podcast um, because I, you know, this is almost an hour and uh, I'd like to get something out there for people um, and I'll work on things as I can. Like I said, um, I am in training right now for hauling crude oil, which is going to be a much harder job. Uh, not just driving all the time, but I think for me it'll be better because the vibrations in the truck running five, six hundred miles a day, that's what wears me out. And I don't mind uh, pulling hoses and hooking hoses up and gauging and climbing stairs, which I'm going to have to do, and carrying buckets of crude oil that I have to test and clearing lines and all of that. I used to do that as an oil field worker and I'm capable of doing it now. And now that I've had the, uh, the cortisone shot in my back, the problems that I was having with my back, like they're gone, you know? So, um, so it'll be good for my, myself and my family. Like I, uh, I want to support my family. I love doing the podcasts. I get worn out of doing them sometimes, but this doesn't bring any money in. And in this world, we I have to support my family, and I want to. Like, there's seven of us, you know. And, uh, and I've been homeless before, and I don't want to be homeless again, so I have to work. Um, but I'm going to continue doing these podcasts when I have time to do them. And uh, one of the cool things about this particular job is... I'll be scheduled to work four days, 14 hours a day, and then I will have four days off. But I have the opportunity to go in and fill in if I need more time or if they need more drivers. Um, And like, you know what? They're looking for drivers. So if anybody's out there who listens to these podcasts, uh, who has a CDL and has some experience driving and uh, may want to consider making some really good oil-filled money, 
uh, you can get in contact with me through my messenger, which is, um, let's see, what's my messenger? It's at, it's at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. All right, well, I'm going to end this podcast for today. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Take care, everyone. God bless, and goodbye.